Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on facilitation, strategy, and governance. And we are so excited today to have our first individual return rock star uh, for time two on the show, to have back with us Nabil El-Gharari, PhD, CAE. Nabil is a psychologist and principal at Executive Therapy and Consulting, combining his experience as an association executive and a licensed mental health professional. He now conducts virtual psychotherapy with executives and leaders and is authorized to see patients in over 30 states, as well as speaking about stress management, imposter experience, creating a culture of wellness, and other mental health topics to associations and organizations. Nabil, we are so, so excited to have you back with us again. Well, thank you for having me back. It's an honor. I appreciate it. You know, um, there's an, so many reasons I'm excited to have you back. Uh, one is that uh, when we previously spoke, you were sort of inside associations, and now you're helping executives of associations. And so that transition to what you're seeing about the needs of leadership is going to be a, a key place for us to discuss, uh, but also because what you are providing to associations and executives in terms of those who are rock stars and what we don't see beneath the surface, if you will, right? What's not the facade. Yeah. Uh, I'm imagining you have a lot of insights about, and I'd love to talk about. I have to start where we always start. And I know we asked you last time, so I'm going to ask you in the context, I think, of what you're doing this time uh, and sort of the new path that you're on. We love to talk about superpowers, right? The strengths we bring to the table. Clearly, you have many of them with how you're helping so many executives. If I was to ask you for like the life that you are living and the strength that you're bringing, what is a superpower that you have that you find that you're using in this journey? You know, my biggest power right now is forgetting, mm. letting, letting go of things and forgetting. Um, listening to people talk about their issues is, is quite a challenge. And something that I've been really work, you know, effective at is sort of letting that go at the end of the day. And, and I have some strategies for that. You know, I'd have a shutdown ritual every day where I transition out of my home office and go upstairs to the living space, um, you know, watch some TV, you know, after dinner. And those things really help me not think about work yeah. for the rest of the night. So I think, and that's something that a lot of people have a hard time with. Well, I think I would agree with that. You know, I speak to so many colleagues that especially are in executive, in executive seats, but I think across organizations, they used to use commute times for that, right? The yes. flip on the music, clip on like the podcast, and I come yes. home able to like leave it in the office. And when the office is like 50 feet from here, that's not the case anymore. So are you, are you seeing, I love that it's a strength of yours. Are you seeing that that's uh, sort of prevalent that people don't have that as a strength and are challenged by it? Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and not only that, um, when we had a commute, when we went when we went into the office, people had a set time they left. And you might leave a little late, but you rarely stayed two hours late unintentionally. Like when you knew you were going to stay two hours late, you planned for it. Right. Now, now um, because you're home, people's people keep on working longer and longer, don't have that intentional end time that was close to what was before the pandemic, but it, it can bleed into dinner time, evening, late at night, 
you know, before you know it, it's 7, 8, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And so, um, and, and then everyone is doing that. So you're getting work at that time. So it is really common for people to have a problem not knowing how and when to end work and just keep on working until exhaustion or, yeah. or, or, or hanger. The, uh, I think my children could tell you uh, that the the happy ABBA is a well snacked ABBA. So I can hear oh, you. Oh yes, I hear oh, you yes. about the the anger piece. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think if we look at an executive context and lens of what you're talking about. Uh, of course, many levels of employees have end times, but I think you would run into a overarching culture like when's the CEO ever really off? And yeah, they need to take vacations, but like many CEOs feel like five is not it. Like or any C-suites, right? There's, they're not hourly. Right. And so do you think that this is, if we look at through like an executive lens, right? That C-suite lens, do you think this is new, right? Because it feels like they've always, there's always been a culture of like working many, many hours. Uh, is this different at all if you're at a higher uh, pay grade, right? If you're at a higher management position? I, I think that there, I think part of it is new because I do think people are working later than they did before. I yeah. do think that's satisfactual, but I think the other part is, um, particularly for working remote, a lot of the social aspects of work are gone. You know, mm. the walking by to someone's office and chit-chatting for a few minutes before meetings, water cooler chat, all these, I mean, so you're at the office 10 hours, yeah. but there's probably an hour you're not... Re you're working on, you know, emotional support for your team, not necessarily grinding into data or developing a new strategic initiative. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. instead, you don't have any of those social rewards. You have um, less distractions to sort of help you, you know, throughout the day. Yes. And, and you have a, a bleed in into your personal time. I think the way to think about work is this, you know, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we've been sprinting since March of 2020. Mm. And so we have to get in this mindset of, you know, how can you take care of yourself to be the most effective leader that you can be? I really think self-care is not selfish. It is actually beneficial for you, but also for your team and your company. Yes. I, I think many people would not nod yes to that, uh, even if their calendars don't reflect their nod. I think they would right, agree with the theory of it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've noticed uh, we were chatting before that travel is something, especially is for work, is something frequent. At least I'm noticing on my flights uh, more than ever, the random person sitting next to me in the airport that you say hi and all of a sudden like there's the next 45 minutes of just like needing to like tell you about everything that's going on because it feels like they don't have anywhere else they're talking about it to yeah and so safe person it's a little empathy sitting next to them get gets it all and so yeah i don't know if, if you've run into anything like that that's a, a general sort of like viewpoint of what you're experiencing in the world well, so I am. I was traveling yesterday, and uh, for those of you who weren't traveling yesterday, there was a national ground stop, um, and so, you know, I go to the airport early. So my flight was at eight fifty one. I was at the airport at six fifteen, because um, with my name, 
you know, Nabil El Garouri, we don't want to rush through the airport. We take right. so we go slowly through the airport. We we stay calm. We go slowly, and so my flight was supposed to take off at eight fifty one. The national ground stop. All flights before nine a.m. were um, were delayed, and our flight ended up so eight fifty one. Our flight ended up leaving at one fifteen p.m. And so, um, and they they kept slowly updating the time. So it would say 9, 30, 10. And um, at, when it said 10 o'clock and it was 9.30, the gate agent came and said, you know, it does say 10 o'clock. However, the flight doesn't have permission to leave yet. Uh, and so we don't think, and it takes 40 minutes to board. So I don't think it's gonna happen. Right. And then the pilot came and shared that information. And and sort of and was very frank with us, and we kind of every, everyone in the in the eight at the gate sort of chuckled, but it really decreased the tension. Yeah, the lesson to me is honesty mm. is really effective in leadership. They're like they didn't have to say that stuff, but when they did, it took the edge off of everyone in the, in the crowd. You know, uh, the other thing I noticed was um, some parents really effectively distracting their kids, letting their kids kind of sort of run, play play TV, you know, play on their video games, TV, iPad, and just watching that, seeing how distraction, what can you do to distract yourself? Because if you're just sitting there stewing, you're just going to get angrier and angrier. So distracting yourself. Um, and then finally, I saw at like three and a half hours, I saw a lady get up and go angrily approach the gate agent who had switched by this point because their their time their shift had ended and so they left and right. went home and and i thought mm -hmm. to myself what is getting angry at the agent gonna do and yeah. i was to get irritated as well so that's when i started doing some deep breaths and that is a strategy i teach everyone and it really works it just sort of mellows you out yeah so these are the lessons i saw mm -hmm. yesterday um on our flight and when I, when I landed in San Diego, I looked at the frustrated pa pa uh, passengers waiting and I thought, hmm, I wonder if they had the same kind of honest gate agent that we had. We I did. didn't think so. You know, it's interesting. The I definitely think in the absence of narrative, we create narrative. Oh, right? yes. Yes. And uh, I don't. I don't know if you have any viewpoints in terms of uh, colleagues, professionals and executives in the space. And there's always this challenge of transparency and do you tell what do you tell uh but i don't think it's often thought about the other side like the things we don't tell isn't that there isn't narrative it's that you the narrative is going to be created in the minds of the people who don't hear it especially when you think about internal and staff i mean i right now we're we are in a recession you know you're seeing big tech companies start to lay off people that their revenue may be going down that'll affect all the trade associations their revenue is going to go down because incomes are going you know the re gross revenues of those their members are going down i think we have to be realistic yeah. about employees fearful for another set of layoffs like that is a that is a potential we saw that happen in mar in 2020 um, and so people are going to want to know what's going on. I do think it is imperative for uh, CEOs and C-suite folks to be as honest as they can be about what the economics are and let people know we have enough reserves 
to get through this year, or um, or we believe we have enough revenue to to get through this year, or things yeah. are going to be tight. We're going to start making some cuts, because um, in the absence of that information, people always assume the worst. Absolutely, and they will assume they're going to get laid off. You know, particularly departments that were cut dramatically. Yeah. In 2020. So the meetings, folks, I think are going to be scared of that. Self doubts always always come in the unknown. You know, I'm, I'm I have two, like two lines I want to go down. I think I'll go through this one first. If you think about Nabil a few years ago when you were inside an organization as its CEO, mm -hmm. with Nabil today, right? Uh, who's leveraging your expertise as a licensed mental health professional to help executives be healthier and lead healthier organizations. Where do you think Nabil as the CEO did that really well? And if you were consulting for Nabil a few years ago, when you were when you were an executive, like is there anything that you, if you were advising him, that you would have done differently with that lens on? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the thing that I did well um, as CEO, particularly during the pandemic, was communication. Mm -hmm. I ended up filming a video for my team every day to keep them updated on stuff. And, it, and at, you know, at the beginning, it was focused on motivation, but then it became, you know, it became motivation, keeping uh, team building, uh, social justice after George Floyd's murder. Mm. Uh, and then, and then after, when, once we realized that remote was gonna stick around, I started thanking teams for different work and sort of recognizing you know, as many staff as I could. And that was really effective. It kept the team very well informed. They felt like they saw me every day. People commented on it, people looked forward to it. I found out later that they shared, some people shared it with their families. Like they would show their kids, look what my boss is saying. I would do funny stuff too, because that's me. You know, if you're, if you're working with me, we're going to laugh. Right. And so, you, you, so that I think was really good. Um, I think probably what I could have done better was do some of that communication with, um, with my board. Mm. I probably was, I was struggling there at, towards the end in particular. Mm. Um, but uh you know, and if you told me three years ago, uh, Nabil, you're going to be, a, you're going to go back to practicing therapy. I would have said, are you kidding me? I came this close to giving up my license. I came because I was. You're all glad you didn't, my friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm keeping my CAE. Like I am doing those hours and yes. I'm paying that 350. I'm keeping that. I, I'm keeping my CAE because I'm not going to take that test again. Um, so um yeah but i think yeah. that look but it gives a unique and it's why you are so well positioned in this moment to sort of walk both sides of the line uh when i speak to a lot of ceos i mean they talk about the sort of this pivotal place they play where they need to lead the staff right and be in charge and everything from supervised to inspire to care and all that and they need to work for the board and with the board and manage and mitigate those relationships, right? But that place in the middle of the hourglass, that pivot place is incredibly lonely because you don't, you can't have friends on either side. Right. 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 So I'm just wondering, as you think about that as a unique place for chief staff executives who within the realm of their everyday work actually 
have to have good relationships, but also are isolated in terms of being able to like have a full disclosure, connection, camaraderie. Right. Uh, I'm wondering in the conversations you have with the CEOs you work with, what do you see as places where they address that in a healthy way? Um, I think one strategy really important is to have your network of CEOs before you start, mm. you know, um, and so that means sort of getting, you know, getting involved, staying involved with um, ASAE or your local SAEs. So when I was in San Diego, I got involved with um, San Di with Cal SAE and the San Diego region. And while it was not super active, I did meet several other CEOs locally um, and developed some, and, and then maintained my relationships with all my DC friends. Yeah, I knew lots of DC CEOs and I, I would consult with them <clears throat> when things happened. And then one of the great things about being in San Diego is that every national association eventually goes to San Diego within five years. Seriously, I mean, it's a great it's a great place. It's a great city to go to and have the space for it. So it, it's got the space. It's always a pleasant venue. Um and it is a destination that lots of people want to go to. So you generally get a boost in um, registration because yeah. it is a destination. So whenever people came, I would make an effort to see them for, for a meal. And so I got to see a lot of people over the course of, it was only two years where that was, where that happened. And then towards the end of 21 or 21. Yeah. At the end of 21, you started, I started to see a couple more folks meeting started returning, but um, I saw at least, I want to say probably a dozen people. So, um, so I, that, that, that network is really critical because you do need someone to um, commiserate with because it is lonely at the top. Yeah. The uh, time's going by. I ran into knowing we we're having this conversation. Uh, I was in a networking this morning that is regularly goes on. Uh, and one of the people attending, uh, it's Nicola Rujo's coffee chat, which is wonderful. Oh yeah, of course. But one of the people attending was sharing a story from their organization where uh, unexpectedly uh, a staff member didn't wake up, like in their life all of a sudden, a, a member of the team of the staff passed away not expected just out of note right oh and so we never prepare for moments of loss and crisis and so i was trying to think like i'm like I, i'm literally speaking to nabil today right like i, I wish i'd been on that call i would i would have been I, i'm on the i'm on there every once in a while i know well but, so i think that i was trying to think there's so many questions but i think if i get to ask you one this is the question i would ask if you're the executive of the organization, when a tragedy like that happens, what should that executive be sure not to do? Right? Like, oh, okay. Does that make? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what not to do is yes. ignore it. What not to do is ignore it. Like, not say anything. I think that is the worst thing a CEO could do is be silent about it. Yeah. I think. I think you should acknowledge the pain and, and grief that people are feeling, yeah. particularly if it was out of the blue. Um, 
I saw that happen at, at when I was working at APA. Um, a staff member uh, uh, basically stroked and died in the parking lot. Um, like, and some, I don't know how they made it to work. I think it was just rote memory of, of, of driving, but they got, they got to work and then they died there that day. Um, they weren't part of my team. So I didn't really, I heard about it through someone else, but right. I think that, I mean, people who worked close with that person need some time to, 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 um, to take care of themselves if they need, if they need it after that. I think, um, the team going to services, if there's a wake, if there's a funeral, you know, that's a good reason to, to, uh, you know, for a team to stop work for a period of time, or, um, or even the whole team, if it's a small staff, you know, or, and, and even if they don't go, right, people have the day, it's like, we are taking a day of grief for our person. At the same time, business moves on. So, right. You do have to fill that 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 need. Um, be careful about like putting out the job ad the next day. <laughs> like, like just yeah. be careful about that because that communicates you're just a cog in the in the machine. Yes. Um, but you know you obviously have to keep moving things forward. If that was your meeting planner, you have to keep the meeting pre pre preparing. Um, so uh, yeah, it, that is that is very hard though. I mean, like. I would just be doing a lot of empathic listening. Well, I think I think there's like five different great points of insight in that response, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, we've even gone a little over, so I'm just going to sort of ask this as a final. We'll, we'll go from uh, stages of grief, hopefully, to place of hope. Uh, we're early in the year in 2023 as we're talking, and so executives who nodded their head yes that investing in yourself and mental health makes sense, but their calendar doesn't reflect it yet, right? If you were to give uh, any sort of insight or advice to set the intention and follow through in terms of like leading a healthier mental health year ahead for association executives, any thoughts or advice to close out in terms of what they should prioritize in order for that to be the case? I think the first thing to do, honestly, is pick a strategy you want to do to make your life better and schedule it, mm. put it in your schedule. Like, like if you're going to do some, some deep breathing or meditation, pick a time and put it five minutes, put it in your schedule. That's what we do for everything else. Why not do it for your, for, for time for yourself? Um, what strategy that is? I think is an individual case and we need to, people need to choose what works best for them. You know, what I do as a, as a psychologist is I offer a lot of options and say, what do you think will work best for you? And we yeah. test it out. And, um, but I would say schedule it because that is probably the biggest factor. Like they think I don't have time, so they don't do it. But if it's on your calendar, if it's on your, if it's on your outlook calendar, yes, you will do it. I love it. Nabil, every time we talk, uh, I learn uh, I'm enthralled and engaged. You are a, a brilliant add to our community. So thank, thank you for sharing with us today your journey, the journey we should all be thinking about. Uh, and for everyone listening, uh, feel free. We'll put Nabil's LinkedIn certainly uh, in the, the comments as well. Uh, please do feel free to uh, connect with Nabil and 
learn more about the brilliance he's bringing to our space. Thank you to Amy Hager, who, as always, uh, is making sure that your conversations and the coordination and all the brilliance translates from the screen to all the places. And to everyone who listens in and attends, our community continues to grow. And so if you're finding insight and brilliance, please do feel free to share it. Uh, tell us who else we should have on here as well. And we look forward to having a great year of learning together. And until next time, Association Rock On. Thank you.